How do we navigate things like cultural trends, current world events, and disagreement in church? Honest Conversations is a deeper dive into some of your important questions that we don't always have time to cover in a Sunday morning service. Ready to dive in? Let's join Andrew and Brooke for today's Honest Conversation. are talking men and masculinity uh, today, so you can do your best, Tim the Toolman Taylor oh grunt. <laughs> yes. Do you, oh, 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 okay, oh. you are home improvement. I'm like, yeah. am I? Yes. I'm, I'm aging myself. But. You'll like this, but my people used to tell my dad all the time he looks like Tim the Toolman. I can he? see that. Yeah. I never I thought oh, that. Yeah. He would get it all the time. Wow. Yeah. I okay. remember watching the last episode of that. It was when sad. It I know. I are we I gathered as a family to watch it and mourn the end of home improvement. Oh my gosh. That was an end of an era too. <laughs> Cuz there's stuff oh, that just wouldn't fly today, you know? <laughs> like it's just one of those shows. All right. Um let's start by talking about what this podcast is uh discussing about men and masculinity okay. and maybe more importantly what it isn't. Yeah, we're totally. talking. We're 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 heading down theological roads here, mm. not so much societal roads. Am, yes. am I right in saying that? Yes, I think that's great. So, especially uh, this episode and the next one on f- women and femininity. When we, yeah, what we're aiming for first is kind of like, all right, when it comes to men and women or masculinity and femininity, the question, first question is like, is there a design from God about what? these things are and are not. If there is, what is it? Because if there is a theological truth, then we need to know that first and orient ourselves around that regardless of our society or our personalities. So the theology matters before the sociology and the psychology. And we've got to get that straight and understand to your point, that's the conversation we're trying to have first. What does the Bible, does the Bible teach us anything that's universal and like, this is what a man is and what masculinity is. This is what a woman is and what femininity is. Does the Bible have any of that stuff? And if it does, what is it? And let's set that first. The kind of next layer of conversations, as we've talked about in the podcast, we're trying to get back to the center on things and then work our way out. The center is what's the truth of God on these things. And then things like, uh, sociological gender roles or psychological preferences, you know, my personality or, uh, what does it look like in 2023 America? Like those are kind of next layered conversations, but those have to be influenced by the center if the center exists. So the contention is that the center does exist. (laughs) So let's get clear on that. And then as we go in the series and hopefully in these podcasts, we'll start drifting a little bit out into some of the societal and like sociological and psychological things. Not a lot of it because I'm not a sociologist or a psychologist, but let's get the center things first. Let's get the principles and the truth in place first. Then all of us can work our lives and live our lives from that same center. But we're not just all in our own unique selves with our unique culture and our unique preferences, trying to figure this out. And the Bible doesn't probably really speak to this because it was so old and kind of back to what we were talking about last time. So the center would be that God designated assignments in gender. Mm -hmm. 
what does the Bible say, like starting at a very high view here mm-hmm. as far as those assignments? Yeah. So the, the, the point that I made kind of in the definitions part of the sermon is like male is a, a thing. It's real. It exists. It's one of the two genders that God created. So there's that male is real. Uh, yeah. Male is real. A man is real. And masculinity is like a thing. There's, there is something there. Those are, those are actual truths that those things do exist. So the, the male being kind of just biologically, like, you know, the XY chromosomes and all that sort of stuff, a man is a human male and masculinity are the traits that a man of God should exhibit as one who is imaging God as a male. So let's talk about those traits and, and some of the roles. Yes. What do we have? Well, so the the point of the message was pr- fairly broad, but hopefully specific, that the, the assignment to men is to order God's creation for the glory of God. That's the, that's, the, that's the unique anointing and assignment that God's given to men. Men, are, men exist to do that like nothing else can. They have that assignment from God as imagers from God or imagers of God. So therefore, my culture and personality, whether my culture or personality drives me to do that, I need to do that. What does that mean to order things? Mm-hmm. Well, it means that God created his imagers to rule his creation, to be fruitful and multiply for the glory of God to cover the earth. So God's aim, and you said it, agenda, I think last episode, the big agenda of God is to see the glory of God in all of creation. So as an imager of God, that's a man well, as, a, as an imager of God, as a human, I'm here to partner with him in what he's doing. He's, he is establishing his, establishing his kingdom in the heavens and the earth for his glory. So I'm on, I'm on that team. I want to be on that team with him doing what he's doing as his imager. I'm supposed to have a role on, of that in creation. And as a man, I have a unique assignment and anointing to play the role of ordering things. So Adam names the animals and then he's supposed to work the garden. He's supposed to, he's supposed to, God looks at him and is like, where were you when Eve was eating the fruit? Where where were you? (laughs) Like you were supposed to be here Mm. making sense of it. Like, Mm. so I believe, and then as you look through the, look through scripture, men look like lots of different things and do that in lots of different ways. But no matter how big your world is as a man, starting with yourself, you need to order yourself according to the glory of God. And then whatever your world is, you need to influence that world and put order into that thing for the glory of God. Is another word for that leadership? I think it could be. I think um, I'm falling way out of love with the word leadership Mm. recently, actually. I just don't think it's... um, Usually, I don't think it's usually deep enough and precise enough to get to what God's really talking about. That's interesting. Can I'll you stop go? There. No, okay. I want you to keep going with that. Well, what do you mean? Yeah. Um, what do you mean, leadership? Like a, a position, a title, a, um, you're given authority by who to mm. do what? 
Like, what's it take to be a leader? How do I know if I'm a leader? When am I in a leadership position? It's like, I don't know. I know you're a man and you're supposed to bring order to things, mm. <laughs> starting with yourself. So I don't care what you call it. Be a man and bring order to things according to the glory of God. If it's under your influence, order it for the glory of God. That's interesting. And we're going to circle back okay. to that in a little bit. But let's stay with the ordering um, topic and about ordering yourself first. Mm. Um I think that you said that being a good man for other people isn't good enough motivation. Mm. You have to want to be a good man. Yeah. Um, let's talk about that and what that entails and how mm. do you, if, how do you want to be a good man? How does that happen? I think, I think everybody, every man wants to be a good man. It's like, we all want to be saved. We all want God, but sometimes we don't, <laughs> you know, like yep. it's, I, I believe that you're made to be a good man. So you do want to, and just like you're made to know God. And so we do want to know God, but just sometimes we got a lot of other stuff going on and we don't really want to, or we're too caught up in ourselves or whatever. But I think that the bottom line truth is that you do want to be a good man. Sometimes you don't think you can be. You don't believe that there is a good man out there. You've never seen one. You don't, it's too daunting of a task. Like what the heck does that even mean? So there's a lot of reasons that can discourage or distract from being a good man, but I believe it's in the heart of man to to want to be a good man, to want to be an imager of God who partners with him and knows him and is doing the things of the Lord, but we also sin. So, And is that what pulls us away? I mean, it's the vices that mm -hmm. are continually trying to convince us that that's what we truly want. Yeah. I mean, we just get selfish. Yeah. And... I think that comes back to the the curse, you know, for men is like, now you're going to have to do this whole thing by the sweat of your brow. Like being a good man is now going to be really hard mm. and you're not going to want to do it. <laughs> so wow. it's why men, like men's, we can talk through all the vices, kind of the seven vices that have been established and all that sort of thing. But it's like, you know, it's why passive men are so frustrating and passivity in a man is just, it's gross. Like Nobody wants to see it and it's, it's off putting and just, you see it and it doesn't feel right because <laughs> men aren't supposed to be passive, but we want to be, we don't want to work hard. I mean, we do, but like, we also kind of don't, we want to work hard for like, we want to work hard to play, <laughs> but like, you know, whatever we, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Does that passivity root go all the way back to Adam, do you think, in the garden? Yeah, I think that's totally like hitting on the whole curse thing. It's like yeah. here, you know, and we'll get into this on the women's side of things. The women's thing is the same deal. The, the curse for the woman also is directly related to who she is made to be. And so it's true for men, for Adam. It's like Genesis 2, God creates the earth. He creates a garden, puts Adam in the garden, work this thing, work this. And we've talked before about how like work this temple of the Lord. This is the dwelling place of God, the connection between heaven and earth. This is the overlap. This is the temple of the Lord. And so the whole world should be like this garden in the sense of the kingdom of God. So that's your job. That's what you're here to do is go multiply, be fruitful, subdue the earth and make it the glorious temple of the Lord. Mm. And then man sins and God's like, yeah, it's going to, you're going to have to bear all this fruit. Thistles are going to be in the ground. Like this is going to be hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now man, you know, that's like one of our major 
common weaknesses. It's like, let's do something else other than that. It's interesting that I think um, sin finds its way in really extremes with men, you know, passivity being one that we see an example of Adam, but then also uh, on the opposite extreme, you know, the um, domineering authority, you know, Adam was created first mm-hmm. and um, that was God's original design. And um, I want to go to a, a listener question now. Oh, nice. Okay. These are questions that you can write out when you're at church um, and we'll try and answer them When we them take this the to the podcast. radio, we'll have callers. Yes. Caller <laughs> three. Where are you calling from? Um, this one says, what would you say about the perhaps medieval idea that man was created as the whole image of God and then God split his image into two? So like mm-hmm. Adam pre-218 uh, was 100% male and female. Mm-hmm. And then he was divided into 100% male Adam and 100% female Eve. I've heard this, but since Adam was created first and was whole, he's better somehow. Man was the perfect image bearer and woman took half of that away when God made woman out of him. I yeah. had never heard that. <laughs> I had never heard that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've, I've heard that before for sure. I, I just don't think it checks out. Like, I don't think it checks out in Genesis one through three or the rest of scripture or the natural witness of just creation and life. I don't think it's necessary. I think that um, so I've already done, I've already just last Sunday preached the, um, the women and femininity one where really did the, the Bible teaching regarding that question. Mm-hmm. So I would suggest that for anybody thinking about those things or hearing those things or whatever would go listen to that message on women and femininity. Cause I kind of do the, the Bible teaching through the creation story, the Bible teaching work regarding that question. Okay. Um, I think that that, makes assumptions or to say that Adam was both male and female. I, I get it. Cause it's like, well, Genesis one, it says that male and female, he created them, but Eve doesn't come till Genesis two. And I think it just is way more, uh, reasonable and sensible to say that Genesis two, isn't some wholly separate event, you know, whereas like like I kind of, anyways, I get into it in the whole message where okay. God's like, oh shoot, this isn't good. And yeah. I didn't, I made a mistake here just making one of them. But I think the whole, the, the idea is that God didn't make an individual. He made a household. That was always the plan. He always knew what he was doing. So I don't think that that whole thought process that some people have, I don't think it makes sense or is needed. Okay. Um, going back to the creation of Adam and, and ordering and, you know, talking about leadership and, Mm -hmm. you know, not liking that word because there's so much missing from it, from the idea. Um, Can you talk a little bit about um, headship and where I think, I just think that there has been so much taught and falsely taught um, through the ages. And I think a lot of Christians are just like, what, like, what do I even what should I be believing about roles? And, mm-hmm. um, and so where does ordering play into, to headship? And, and we'll talk more about this when we talk about, um, marriage and, mm-hmm. and family, Yeah. but just as a general overview, um, can you add some simplicity to like the role of man? 
mm. in, in regards to that. Yeah. So when you say headship, do you mean like in the home or the church or because that's of kind of, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to tell me about all of just, it, Andrew. Please, <laughs> just Andrew. Real quick. <laughs> real quick. You have 15 um, seconds. Yeah, seriously. Uh, yeah. I think, I think we'll get into some of that in the marriage message coming okay. up. So there'll probably be some more specific questions we could discuss okay. maybe after that one, but where I'll go with the question for now, maybe, and then you can maybe ask some follow-ups or see, see if you like where this goes. Okay. Um, I think that we all need to receive the truth that when it comes to humanity imaging God, God gave to men the unique assignment and anointing and ability to order things. And we ought to lean on men to do what they're here to do. And we should encourage them to do it well. We should celebrate them when they do it well. We should ask them to do it well and be great with that. Okay. We'll talk more about, <laughs> about headship. Well, I, yeah. think it's, I think it's just like a really, um, yeah, I think it's a concept that needs... Uh, further discussion mm-hmm. for a lot of people. And I know yeah. you're not trying to right. not talk about it, but I do think that it would be um, better suited for a different conversation. Yeah. And I'm, I'm with you on that. And like, there's, there's a lot to talk about there, but I, again, and I appreciate you saying, you know, I'm not trying to talk around it cause I'm not, it, it really is. What's the, what's the first thing that I think we all have to receive from the word of God period before we even form our own opinions about or even get into some, even get into something more specific as marriage. The reason we're doing the series in this order is like, we, like I said, we're talking about the layers here. It's like right. we've, I think that we've got to get men right first, right? Because even there's like this documentary going around. What is a woman? I think. Oh yeah, I've not seen I it or anything. Not seen but, it, but, uh, yeah. but it's like these conversations are happening, or the Supreme Court justice got asked this question. There's all the there's it's a major question in society. But I think that the bottom line is like whether you like it or not, and even whether I can explain it or not, you can't answer that question until you answer the first question, which is what is a man? Right. It is what it is. And I can't explain why God made man first, but he did. Right. So it doesn't matter what I think about why he did. Right. He did. And it's just true yeah. that you can't really make sense of the other stuff until you make sense of this one first. And I think that that testifies to like, oh, because this is what men do. They order and orient things because God made them that way. Doesn't make them better than anybody else or worse than anybody else. It just men are real and they're real for a reason because there's something about men that makes them men and not something else. Mm-hmm. They, they actually matter enough to have something unique about them. And that's great. And so just like you have friends that are unique in their own way and you celebrate the thing that's unique about them because you need them in your life, we should celebrate that about men and lean on men to do that and demand that of men and encourage that in men and build that up in men because the world's better when it's ordered under the kingdom of God. And the church is better when we're working in our gifts individually and all that sort of thing. Nobody needs to be everybody. Nobody needs to be good at everything. You be good at doing the thing God gave you to do, not so that you can make a name for yourself, but because the spirit gives manifestations of the spirit for the common good. You're good at what you do for my sake, Mm. not for yours. And so the same is true of men and women. 
men are good at something. They are assigned something. And so it's better for everybody when they do what they're good at by God. So why don't, why fight that and whine about it or complain about it or explain it away when we could all be way better off if we just receive it? Wow. That's good. That's good. Coming at it with a grateful heart, right? <laughs> Seriously. It's like, oh, wait, you're good at something? Praise God. Yeah. And it's for my benefit. Seriously. Yeah. I'm better when you do what you're good at? This is nice. Yeah. That's really good. <laughs> yeah. So then that trickles into kind of like marriage or church or hedge, all sure. these sort of things. It's like, well, okay. Lots of, like I said, kind of outer layer stuff. But first we have to have the truth that there is something that makes men, men. And we have to have the truth that none of us are here to build our own kingdoms. We're all here to build God's kingdom. We have to accept the truth that if there's something I'm good at, it's not for me to be awesome. It's for me to make everybody else better. Mm. So once you settle those things, most of the fights that people get into or the pain that people have experienced straightens out. Which is why passivity is so devastating. Yeah, exactly. Like we need men to be men. We all do. We need it. You talked about this puffed chest example. Yeah. Is that C.S. Lewis, did yeah. you say? Okay. Um, that reason in our head needs to rule our appetites in mm-hmm. our stomach, our appetites being the, the vices, right? Or, well, the, or, not necessarily the vices. It's more so just the body. The like body, the flesh. the flesh. It's like, yeah, like I, I'm a real human being on earth. I have appetites. I need food. I need water. I want to have fun. You know, just I have yes. desire. Yeah. But your reason has to rule it. Your head has to yeah, rule your stomach. Right. And in between your head and your stomach is your chest, right. which is your virtue. Mm-hmm. And so your reason needs to kind of sift through virtue. Right. Um, and it was just a really great um, illustration. And then and then because of that virtue, men should walk with their heads held high, their, mm-hmm. their chests puffed, knowing that, that they, you know, are confident mm-hmm. in who they were created to be and their role to play. Yeah. So I guess my question is, do you think that men should be standing up to more, uh, you know, Christian men, do you think that they need to be more confrontational with the world, you know, um, mm-hmm. with everything that's coming at us? Um, I don't know if I'm asking this in the mm-hmm. right way, but what does it look like to combat um, Pacific, um, you know, like how, what does it look like to to not be passive? Yeah, that's great. You know, it's great. It's a big question. Yeah, I'm yeah, trying no, to no, word it's good. it better. I think, no, it's a great question. I, I don't think that men need to be more confrontational. I think men need to be more virtuous. Okay. So virtue in their own lives, even if it's quiet virtue, mm-hmm. is... Yeah, uh, because um, when you're virtuous, there will be times you're being confrontational but you're not being confrontational so that you can be confrontational. You're being mm. confrontational so you can be virtuous. Mm. Confrontation isn't the, isn't the end game. That's why, that's what I'm trying to draw the line between. Okay. So it's not that men need to be louder and, and the whole chest thing, it's, it's going along with the illustration. It's not necessarily literally men need to puff up their chests and physically walk around with their shoulders back. Although 
that too, kind of, you know, cause there's, but not for the sake of having their chest out. <laughs> like you, you have your shoulders back and your chest out when you're just confident and secure. And, and so that's good. But I, in the same way, confrontation isn't the goal. Yes. Your, your, your shoulders literally back and your chest literally out doesn't mean you're being a good man. Right. But it's <laughs> so, the opposite of having the hunched over right. it's shoulders. It's the illustration of yeah. what to say that men need strong chests is to say men need strong virtues. So what Lewis talks about is that the chest is the avenue through which the reason rules the appetites. So I was saying without, and I was, I'm elaborating on what he talks about, but cause he, he has like two sentences on this and I kind of talked about it for a while, but the, without the virtues, without the chest, reason will negate the appetites. Because it's like, well, reason, if you don't add intellectual value, then it doesn't matter. And so that's where like the ascetics come in and that the heresy of the ascetics is like, well, just deny the flesh and your body and all things. And that'll make you more spiritual. And it's like, no, that will just hurt you. <laughs> you yeah. have a physical side too. Yeah. You're not just a spirit. You're not just, uh, like Lewis says, with, without the appetites, man is just a spirit. If he's just in his head, he's just, wow, out in la-la land. And that was the whole point I made about, you know, our, our academics are so caught up in their head that they've detached from the bodies. Our academics are so high up in the clouds that they're saying your body doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your biology is. You can, man's whatever a man wants to be. It, it's completely detached from the body. Mm. So it, it, it deals with all this transgender stuff, LGBT, all, all this stuff comes back to this. Is like, how did you get your idea so detached from your biology, but from your biology that you think your biology doesn't even matter? Mm. But that's what the re- that's what reason will do without virtue is it'll just totally reject the appetites and vice versa. The appetites will just eat reason. <laughs> They'll just eat it up. And like I said, the sh- chauvinists are so driven by their stomachs, they've eaten their heads. And you listen to chauvinist men talk and you're like, what? That makes no sense. Like you're a moron. You're really smart, but what? That's so dumb. All you're trying to do is make smart sounding words tell you, you get to do whatever you want. (laughs) It's so dumb. Yeah. You just, your appetites have totally gobbled up any sense of reason in you. So the chest is how you rule where the, where the reason rules the appetite. It, it, It becomes the thing that helps helps reason train the appetites instead of negate them. And it helps the appetites submit to reason without eating it. I think chauvinists, you know, have caused so much pain mm-hmm. um, yeah. in the world and in the church. And, and so the academics. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, you talk about how this is a sin issue, mm-hmm. um, but it's been labeled toxic masculinity mm-hmm. uh, most recently. And, you have a problem with that term because why? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, because the real problem is sin. Yeah. So we are, we humans are really good, especially, so this comes into the whole unique times deal. If this is your unique times, we need unique words because uh-huh. these are unique challenges that need unique solutions. And since these are unique times and the Bible is so old, it probably doesn't talk to any of this. And so since uh, God said men are a thing, but we're so smart now, that men aren't a thing, we need to now manipulate the Bible, either ignore the Bible or manipulate it to agree with us. And what the problem is, is toxic masculinity. So what we need to do is we need to reject the idea of masculinity because masculinity is the problem. It's like, no, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that sin is a problem. 
but you don't want to admit that there's a sin problem because if there's a sin problem, you have to deal with your sin. And it's way more fun to just throw out God's design. Why would I own up to my sin when I can say God, it's God's fault or God is wrong? Let's throw out what he made. And then I get to rule the world myself. A, list, uh, a question came in mm-hmm. that said, um, are you saying it doesn't exist in regards to toxic masculinity? Uh, they said there are many examples of men using their masculine traits like power, authority, et cetera, to hurt or use others. Yes, it's a sin, but isn't toxic masculinity a useful subcategory? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a little bit to each his own. Then I'll give my opinion. <laughs> I don't need to control everybody's words they say or don't say. I would, in my opinion on that specific thing, would be like, it's so imprecise. And I think it's such an imprecise phrase that it's so, I think it's not helpful. It's at least not helpful, if not damaging. I think it's not helpful because it's imprecise. If it's damaging, the reason it would be damaging is because it's saying that the problem is masculinity, not sin. And so the problem isn't authority. The problem is pride. And so that's where we get into the vices that like, What I'm saying is that it'd be way better to learn how to use the language of vices and virtues than try to... What toxic masculinity does is it tries to redefine a word we already have. And that's what... Anyways, there's a lot to say about that. Why do we need to change words we already have that mean something when we already have words that mean the thing we're trying to say? Mm. Why change the definition of masculinity to say it's a toxic thing that we should throw out when masculinity is not the problem anyways, so why are we attacking it? The problem is sin, and we actually have words for all of these things that are all real and real problems that men do and need to stop doing because they cause a lot of pain. You talk about vices and virtues. Um, I don't know if you want to get into them now, but how important are they that not only we know them, we're mm-hmm. aware of them, but we really honestly understand what they mean for our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they've almost become a bit of white noise and that, yeah, oh yeah, I think we know the, you mm-hmm. know, I think we know the vices and the virtues. And But I mean, you talked about how virtues specifically, there are virtues to combat every single vice. Right. And um, it's literally like, being armored up. I mean, yes. like by understanding them, talk a little bit about just the importance of, of knowing yeah. the vices and virtues. Yeah, no, I think it's so good. I mean, we don't know the vices and the virtues, which is why everyone was taking notes and taking pictures of the screen while I was talking them. <laughs> if everybody knew them, they wouldn't be taking so many notes <laughs> mm-hmm. and being like, oh, that makes sense. You're, you know, it's like we've, these words have been around forever, but we haven't talked about them in a long time, a lot of us. So the importance isn't, oh, Andrew's right. Toxic masculinity isn't a thing. Vices are a thing. So I should talk about vices. I, I, I don't care to be right or say, may, my point is not that toxic masculinity is real or not. That's not the hill I'm trying to die on. I don't care about that. I want to be helpful and I want to be righteous and I want to be godly. So what's the quickest way and most helpful tools I can pick up to help me be righteous and godly? Toxic masculinity, like, well, I don't even know what that means. And like, I don't know what we're aiming for. I don't know who we're mad at. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to not do. What are we even talking about? Toxic masculinity versus list of seven vices, not that many, seven virtues, not that many. 
I'm like, oh yeah, I look at those. I'm like, yep. All of my sin comes back to one or a few of those. Mm. So instead of swimming in the ambiguity of modern cultural language to talk about our unique times and our unique problems that not only are they unique problems, but we're so busy coming up with words to describe our unique problems. We haven't even gotten started on the solutions yet other than tell men to shut up. Right. It's like, that's our answer right. for everything. Like, okay, I'm not going to waste my time swimming in that quagmire. It doesn't help anybody. Right. So... How about I get out of my own unique times and my own unique self and wake up for a second and realize Christians have actually been around for a while. God's been around for a while. The church has been around for a while. The church has actually been a few, been through a few things. Mm-hmm. Christians have navigated a couple things in their time. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we've dealt with any of this before. Mm-hmm. And that's why I read the vices the way I did. It's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, there they all are. Everything you don't like about quote unquote toxic masculinity, you'll find in the vices but they're actually articulated in the vices, whereas they're not articulated in toxic masculinity. Bingo. So it's helpful. Yeah. That's what I care about. Yes. Is like, you know, if, if toxic masculinity, if you think that helps you, okay. I mean, I'm not going to fight you just for the sake of fighting it, you know, but if you want to debate about it, I'm just going to ask you like, how on earth is that, <laughs> is that helpful? Like, what are we even talking about? Whereas again, you put the vices and the virtues next to each other and I'm like, I know exactly what I have to do, period. Yeah. Again, I'm not the smartest tool in the shed. Like, make it easy for me, man. Like, don't do these seven things. Do these seven things to have victory over those things. I like that. I think we just hit (laughs) gold here because it's not just like, oh, stop using toxic masculinity. That hurts my feelings. It's about the ambiguity of it Mm -hmm. does no one any favors. Mm -hmm. It allows people who are aiming at masculinity to to fire wide, and it allows people who are um, hurting others through sin to just say, oh, that's garbage. It's toxic masculinity without having to face their own mm-hmm. sin and mm-hmm. their own issues. And so I love that, that like really we're, we're not doing anybody favors, and if we would get specific— and really be able to use the the vices to call out what is happening mm-hmm. or what's not happening, and we're mm-hmm. just wanting to play the blame game, mm-hmm. um, we would all be so right. much better yeah. off. Because people, kind of to use the list, it's like, well, what about men being domineering? I'm like, okay, what about it? Are we just now saying that being domineering is wrong, and so we should like stop being domineering? How should we stop being domineering? Well, we should elevate other people. Like, what are we even, like, put some feet on something. When do I know I'm being domineering or not or any of these sort of things? It's like, well, okay, envy is thinking that somebody else succeeding costs you. Mm. Like, oh, yeah, I know what that means. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, uh, okay. So the act of being domineering comes out of an envious heart. So the mm-hmm. vices are dealing with the heart and things like most of the conversation happening in culture is just dealing with surface level stuff. That's not actually, it's the fruit of the problem, but it's not the problem. That's so good. A um, couple other topics I want to touch on where, man, we're, no, no, I, this, this goes fast. <laughs> yeah. um, I just want to touch on this. One in five men have no close friends. Mm. 
Um, more than 50% of men admit to feeling lonely. I think passivity is obviously, we've hit on that one. I think isolation is another big one for men specifically. Um, do men need other men to thrive? Yes. So, uh, again, God didn't create individuals. He created a society. And iron sharpens iron, all this sort of stuff. So men, uh, men don't just need better wives. They need men too. Like it's the problem isn't that wives need to learn how to be men for their husbands. You know, you, you, you can't, and, and not every man needs a hundred men, but there's, there is something about them because there is something unique about man. Men need men too to help get things ordered. And we need to take the initiative to seek that out and submit to that, invite that. Like I was saying at the end of the message, I think it was like, don't, don't, don't make, don't make the men in church have to build a battering ram to get through to you. Just humble yourself. And so like that's happening right now. Like we've got this uh, Wednesday morning men's group going on. 60 guys in our church are showing up every Wednesday to be in the same small group every week to talk about the things of God. And I'm just hearing from all the group leaders. It's like men are doing it. They're like, I want to be here. I'm hungry. I want to grow in God. And I mean, I can, I know I, I could speak for other groups, but in my group, I mean, it's like, God's like, I'm bad at this and I want to be better at it. So here I am. It's that vulnerability piece, right? Well, it's, it's hunger and it's, mm -hmm. it's humility. It's all, it's, it's all of it. It, it, it's all of the virtues and it's buying into the things of God. So it's like, okay, I faith, I believe God is, and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. I need to know more of who God is. And I want the reward of seeking him. I'm bad at seeking him, but I want to seek him. So I want that. It goes into the whole desire thing. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not just like, uh, Men don't need to be softer. That's not the word we're aiming for either. Or, and they don't need to open up because they need to be softened. They need to open up because they need to be sharpened. You need to be open because wow. you are iron and you need to be sharpened. You need to open up because there is a lion in you who will eat something. Feed him the word of God or he will feast on you. So it's not just like come to church and sing Kumbaya with some people and that's going to make you feel better. It's like, no be a man, know who God is and know how to seek him. Hope believes that you can have the things of God. Where are you hopeless? Have some men who can stir up hope in you and know the word of God enough to know that it doesn't rest on you. It rests on God. <laughs> love. Do you have the love of God inside of you? And do you have love for other people? Prudence is thinking right. Do you know what's right? Do you know how to think right? If you're going to order things, you're going to, you're going to have to be able to, you're going to have to be prudent. You have to know what's right if you want to order things right. So do you know what's right? Don't come learn because you need to grow yourself and be the best. You, you have an assignment. You have an assignment to complete. Do you know how to think right? Are you just, do you know how to act right in different situations? Do you know how to do that? in conjunction with prudence. Do you, know how to, do you know how to execute on prudence so that it looks like justice? Do you, do you know how to, how to temper what needs to be restricted? Do you know how to have self-discipline so that you don't need your wife to nag you because you won't do it? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so 
I don't know how I'm totally blanking on the the fourth cardinal virtue, uh, prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude. 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 Yeah. Are are you willing to do what's right when it costs? Mm. And I love what you said. If you want to know what you want, look back <laughs> at the day and see what you did. Totally. You will do what you want. <laughs> yeah. If you want I mean, to be isn't a good that man, the stubborn thing that about is, men? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows it. Yeah. Men do exactly what they want to yeah. do. <laughs> if you want to be a good man, you will be a good right. man. And we should want men to do what they want to do. The problem isn't we need to restrict men. The problem is we just need men who want to be good men mm. because there's nothing that can stop good men. That's what makes them good. Mm. Every good man you've ever known, you knew you couldn't stop him from being good. And that's what made him good. That's good. Good stuff. Um, also good. Women and femininity. Yes. And we're talking <laughs> about the other half uh, next week. So thanks for this conversation, thanks, Andrew. Bro. And thanks. please continue to send in questions if you have them. Yes. We'll see you next week. Thanks. That's all for today's Honest Conversation. We'll see you back here next Wednesday.